everybody and welcome to the House of Mario, the South Australian Nintendo podcast that is backed by a 120 power star rating. I'm your host Drew Agnew and the doors to episode 218 are open. This week on the show I'm going to be discussing Nintendo finally adding folders to the Nintendo Switch. Dragalia Lost is shutting down. Rest in peace Bros. And... Kid Icarus Uprising turns 10 years old, one of my favorite games on the 3DS. And the talk all about that is just myself. It's another solo episode here at the House of Mario. Uh, Bryce is um, he's isolating at home, he's safe, but uh, his uh, family has come down with COVID, unfortunately. But I've been checking in, everyone's okay, just feeling a bit run down, a bit, a bit bleh. Um, as uh, everybody who has contracted it probably knows. Um, so big shout out to Bryce. Love him very much. Hopefully we see you again next week, next week, mate. And uh, it's all good. It's all good. Um, yeah. Thank God for vaccines. I think vaccines have uh, really saved our community, uh, community at least anyway, just with, you know, people seem to be getting it, but not getting it so much. So definitely, definitely very, uh, very appreciative of that. So if you want to give a, you know, a bit of a, hey, Bryce, we're thinking of you, mate. You can go on Twitter and at Bryce DeWitt. Send him a, send him a Hello. Hey, I'm sure it will brighten up his day. I know it always brightens up mine when anybody uh, says hello. (laughs) Um, But yeah, we'll move on with the show, talking about all things Nintendo, and I'm looking forward to it, guys. I do like these sit-downs and all of that, and it also might give me a bit of an opportunity to do a bit of housekeeping as well. There's been a lot going on as far as, um, you know, uh, podcasts I've been creating the last couple of weeks since I've been getting into a bit more of a routine now, uh, you know, Lucas is a, I was going to say older, but you know, he's six, he's six weeks. He's getting, he's an old boy. <laughs> Be leaving the house in no time. But, you know, been really trying to find a groove with uh, a couple of podcasts that I'm enjoying to create. Of course, The House of Mario. Uh, I really, really love doing this podcast. That's where it all started. We're, we're turning five in May, which is which is pretty crazy. Been in the, doing this five years. It doesn't feel like it, but in some ways, maybe it does. <laughs> I don't know. It's been a blast anyway. But, uh, you know, with, with my love of doing the House of Mario, it sort of spurred on doing you know doing a couple more shows that uh, you know allow us to stretch our legs in different ways. And uh, one of those was just like a show that um, I come up with for our Patreon at the time, and we called it uh, the House of Mario Encore. And that's where just like we did uh, you know offbeat Nintendo topics, which was a lot of fun to do. And we ended up uh, creating it as a natural proper podcast on podcast services. Uh, you know, last year pretty much went through like a bunch of Pokemon related topics because of the 25th uh, birthday for the Pokemon series. But this year we're on to uh, season three of of the show, and uh, basically the House of Mario Encore was a re- renamed Encore at the House of Mario, and that's where I just sit down, do solo podcasting like this, and discuss a particular Nintendo topic, and that can be anything from going through my 3DS collection, which was the episode I did last week. Or this week, I'm going to be doing an episode basically going through and, uh, you know, scratching my brain about whether, you know, Nintendo games are art. You know, there's lots of discussion in the video game community being like, are video games art? And I think the, I think the underlying sort of answer is yes, of course they are. You know, you've got music, uh, art, like actual like, drawn art and animation and all this put together. But there was an interesting sort of quote from Iwata years ago, which uh, went through their... Uh, I guess Nintendo's sort of outlook on their products and they didn't view them as art. They viewed them more as like a, an entertainment piece. 
which was interesting. So I'm going to be diving into that on Encore and uh, our review discussions will live over there as well. So just like if you want more Nintendo content from us, which is, uh, you know, some discussions, whether it's uh, with Bryce and I doing a review for Pokemon Legends Arceus or maybe even guest reviews where I'm actually getting uh, Buddy Watson on to do a... I guess a, a re- review discussion for uh, Nintendo Switch Sports when that uh, comes out. Obviously, Buddy's a big sports fan, a big Wii Sports fan. So I'm going to be really looking forward to diving into that one with him and uh, maybe uh, maybe get my ass kicked to bowling and all the other sports <laughs> when we play online. It's going to be a lot of fun. But yeah, Encore at the House of Murray. Go and check it out if you enjoy this one. Really appreciate it. A Drew Story. So I do a podcast called, called a Drew Story. I started it like a fair while ago. But um, I talked about this on... Um, on a uh, Patreon-only podcast, which I was discussing um, basically my my feelings at the time, and I went through like a pretty dark phase. So this podcast sort of fell off for a long time, but uh, I'm really enjoying it getting stu- uh, getting it started again. The last couple of weeks, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, I get a new guest on each week and uh, cover a particular topic or just have a conversation, and I've got a fair few in the uh, in the can ready to go. And also released re- released a couple as well, and um, I'm going to be pretty pretty experimental with this uh, this uh, I guess uh, uh, platform. Um, you know, I I did uh, just uh, an episode with Sean Capri. He does plenty of podcasts himself. You might recognise him from the Nintendo Drive, the Xbox Drive, or We the Gamercast. That was a great uh, conversation if you haven't listened to it. And uh, I also did an episode based around you know the loss of my dog last year, and also sort of. Uh, giving it a bit of a, I guess, just like uh, my way of coming to terms with things, you know, talking through things and putting it in the podcast feed. So I already always have it. It's very much a podcast for myself that I can look back on. And that's uh, that's similar with this week as well. I've got an episode going out with my wife, Chantel, and we discuss, uh, you know, her journey through pregnancy. And that conversation was recorded the night before we went into the hospital and became parents. So it's really fun to look back on things like that. And I, uh, you know, it's very much a podcast for myself, but you know, you guys might, uh, might get some, might get a kick out of it. And finally, my uh, other podcast, Crackin' Furfies, which was actually another podcast that got born uh, conceptually out of our Patreon, which was, uh, you know, a great place to sort of uh, entertain the idea. And um, what have we got here? We've got AirPods popping up. We don't want AirPods here, man. We don't want AirPods. Don't want to record the podcast with AirPods. That would be unfortunate. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that podcast is uh, very fun to do. And it came from the idea of our uh, Patreon. Basically, myself and three mates get together and we, we have a bit of a bit of a drink, a bit of a beer, and we um, try and crack some furfies. And a furfie is basically, basically a made-up tale. You know, we all have the mate who's uh, <laughs> who goes to the pub on a Friday night and talks shit. And you know he's just talking shit. But uh, this podcast is all about that, where we pick one story and um, basically make it up, fabricate it a little bit. But then the other two are real, and they could be even more ridiculous than the made-up one. But it's up to the other guys to actually pick out which one is the furphy, which one's the made-up one. We have a lot of fun doing that show, and uh, it's, um, yeah, it's going strong. So just enough on my podcast, but really would appreciate anyone who's interested go and check them out i don't want to take too too much longer but uh yeah the house of mario is tuesdays a drew story is wednesdays encore at the house of mario is uh, thursdays and crack and furfies is fridays so yeah would appreciate it go check them out if you 
would like to. But let's move on to Guru Geek Out for this week. And uh, look, um, my life has just taken up with um, with my baby, with my family at the moment, which is great. I appreciate it. I really do. Uh, but last night, i got to say, it was a really hard night. There was sort of nothing I could do to keep Lucas calm. <laughs> nothing at all. Um, it's just uh, he's going through one of those phases, I think. Uh, we think he might have colic. <laughs> which uh, basically just means he's um, fussy and upset and there's not a whole lot we can do except for just try our best. We get told by the midwives like if if uh, you know the baby's going nuts and you're doing everything you can, it's not necessarily your fault. So we just have to keep that in mind. It is it is hard when, when you've got a screaming baby and you're sort of like, what am I doing wrong? What am I doing wrong? But, you know, just a shout out to my wife, Chantel. She's absolutely fantastic, an awesome mum, and I'm really happy that we're – our sort of our our relationship and our I guess uh, you know working together and all that is just well it's had to it's just uh, so much stronger than it was and it's not like it wasn't strong before but when you have this this uh, living organism that we both have to look after and really um, work together to make each other's lives easy it's um definitely definitely an eye opener so yes big shout out to Chantel love her very much. And uh, another thing I'm really looking forward to, and this is a little bit Nintendo related, but uh, Reggie has a brand new book. It's coming out um, on the 3rd of May. And we talked about it a long time ago when it got announced. Uh, but I am quite looking forward to this. So I'm looking forward to Reggie's story. And I found out that there's an audio book coming out. And it goes for six and a half hours. So I'm like, oh, well, I'm definitely going to be able to get that listened to in a in like a day's work where I can just have my earphones in and that. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to you know, listening, listening to Reggie's audiobook. I don't listen to a whole lot of audiobooks, to be honest. Uh, you know, I was looking at some and like I was thinking about getting through the Harry Potter books at some stage because uh, during a lockdown at one stage, there was a, um, I think like Harry Potter, all the Harry Potter movies came to Netflix and I only like watched the first three pretty much. So I finally got through that and I actually really enjoyed the Harry Potter games not games, <laughs> movies. Um, so I'm like, oh, oh, well, um, you know, get through the books. And I'm like, oh, I don't really have the time to sit down. And especially when they get longer and longer, I don't know if I have the time for it. So I was thinking about the audio books, but the audio books go for like 30 hours. I'm like, oof. Yeah, I don't know. I've got lots of podcasts to listen to. I don't know if I have 30 hours <laughs> to dig through it. Um, so yeah, anyway, but I'm looking forward to Reggie's audio book. It's going to be a lot of fun, but it also got me thinking, Reggie's got a brand new book coming out. What do... Uh, <laughs> What do people love doing when they got a book to sell? They like guesting on podcasts. That's what they like to do. So let's start a little bit of a campaign here, everyone. Let's get Reggie fils in the house of Mario. Let's get him in here to talk about his book, to talk about uh, all things, uh, you know, he got up to while he was at Nintendo. And uh, I can't do it by myself. Look, I'm just a small-time young man talking into a microphone, putting it on an RSS feed, but... Really, the House of Mario is secluded. It's in the woods. So I need your help. Um, I don't know exactly how much uh, help it's going to be, but let's try our dandest. Eh? Let's get Reggie on the House of Mario. So uh, whatever way you want to contact Reggie, you can add him at Twitter, at Reggie, or you can just um, comment under his post and say, hey, you should be on the House of Mario. And uh, use the hashtag, bring, <laughs> bring Reggie in-house. So that's the hashtag, hashtag bring Reggie in-house. It's also the hashtag I'm going to be putting for this episode to make sure you listen to it. Goodness gracious. <laughs> so yes, bring Reggie in-house. Let's have an interview with Reggie Fizeme and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. 
All right, so that's the housekeeping. That's the guru geek out. That's everything. Let's get into the news and uh, see what's been going on this week. Uh, spoiler alert, not a whole lot, but we've got a little bit to talk about. So um, let's do that. Woohoo! Yeah! Is that all? I fight for my friends. All right, so sad news. If you're a big fan of Dragalia Lost on mobile platforms, I know Bryce is, so Bryce would have a lot to say about this. So I'm, you know, this news only came like an hour ago, so I would love to hear Bryce's take on this. But um, Dragalia Lost was one of Nintendo's very successful original IPs to hit uh, mobile platforms, and a lot of people loved it. And the developers even went on sort of record being like, hey, we don't want to just like get the money out of you. We want people to fall in love with this IP and hopefully, you know, we were hoping that it was going to lead to like a Switch game and like more content on the actual title itself. But it seems like it's coming to an end, which uh, which is unfortunate. But let's read through uh, what Nintendo had to say and we'll discuss it from there. So this comes from Dragalia Lost's own personal website. Well, not personal website. It's not a person, but it comes from the game's official website. Quote, the the Dragalia Lost uh, main campaign is scheduled to reach its conclusion in January of 2022 with part two of chapter 26 and the final climactic um, addition to its long running uh, story. Uh, After the main campaign has concluded, service of the game will come to a close at a later date. Further details on the end of service schedule will be provided in a future notification uh, after the set date of of new adventurers will be added in a summon showcase scheduled for uh, the 3rd of the 31st 2022 at 2 2 o'clock I don't know if that's AM or I don't know <laughs> 24 hour time uh, the game will not receive any new content updates outside of those main campaign and certain quests please note that summon showcases for existing adventurers and dragons as well as event renewals, will continue and be made until until uh, service has ended. Dragalia Lost Team would like to thank each and every one of our players, past and present, for your love and support of Dragalia Lost during this launch. It is our sincere hope that you have enjoyed your experience with the game from the moment you started playing it, and we will strive to continue that as long as time allows. As time allows, all right, end quote. So... Yeah, that's an interesting way to finish it off because as time allows, Sam's like the developers would love to continue this game going, uh, but it, um, it's been shut down. And this brings up a particular question. Look, I haven't played, I don't know if I played much or, yeah, I played a tiny bit of Dragalia Lost, but, you know, I, I didn't really care. This is definitely um, Brass's field. He's put hundreds of hours into the game. He is a hardcore Dragalia Lost fan. So when he's back on the show, we'll definitely be hearing from him. But I just want to pose the question to you guys and maybe those who enjoy Nintendo content on mobile platforms. Is it worth sort of supporting them with all the microtransactions and that if the service is just going to be shut off? There's so many games out there these days that require your attention, require your money, require, require, uh, I can't talk apparently, um, your sort of your effort to be, you know, put into the game. You know, we've got Mario Kart Tour, which is definitely a winner for Nintendo, but that game requires a lot of money to be put into it for battle passes, for subscriptions, for roles, for a lot of different things. And the money can rack up real quickly. Like if you want to spend just under 40 bucks in Australia, you can get the uh, expansion pass for the Mario Kart and you can double the amount of courses and you'll always have that. You'll always have that as long as Mario Kart 8 is is alive and well. Um, 
which will be, you know, for, for a long time. But like, if you put that into Mario Kart Tour, there's no rule saying when that's going to come to an end. You can assume that is going to be a lot more successful. So that game will hence be around a lot longer. But for these other games, like Dr. Mario, that required like uh, money to be put into it to for, I guess, extra lives for that day, very much the Candy Crush model. And like Nintendo's just shutting these games down and you could have invested lots of money into this and Dragalia Lost is a title that you could have potentially invested a lot of money into and it, it seems like people are pretty angry because the developers were actually really uh, quite kind as far as, as, far as uh, microtransactions go in a free-to-play mobile game, but it's just being being cut and left to the wind, which is really unfortunate. But I'm on a Go Nintendo at the moment, and just a commenter here uh, just says, leaves a comment saying, my heart is breaking. I've played the game on and off since day one. I've had so many great moments and experiences, uh, though it it as well as met many kind, kind and great people. I wish there was some way they could have kept it and made it into a Switch game. There are characters are uh, too great to simply be forgotten. It will be dearly missed. So it seems like this is a game that's eating into the actual Nintendo fan base itself because this is a brand new IP and people... Um, that actually did give it a go, really, really drive, uh, jived with it, which is a shame. So let's hope that there is more for this series because it does seem like a pretty cool series and, you know, Bryce has had nothing but good things to say about it. Um, and looking at it, it looks pretty cool too. I just wasn't really into the gacha mechanics and playing it on my phone and all of that. Uh, very, like, for me, as far as mobile gaming goes, like, I'm subscribed to Apple Arcade. I play, like, a couple of games every now and again. Um, and I play Pokemon Go. Like if I'm out and about and I've got like a bit of time, you, we all know sort of that itch. We like, oh, do I, do, I, do I check Twitter? And I find like Pokemon Go for me just sort of, you know, breaks that. Just like, oh, look, I'll catch a Pokemon and do a Pokestop. And that sort of, uh, you know, gives you a bit of a <laughs> bit of that uh, hit that you need from your phone, but you're not going on social media and, uh, you know, wasting your time there. But we'll miss you, Dragalia Lost, but uh, this, the story will be concluded and we'll get a, a date where the service will actually shut down. It'd be kind of sad. All right, moving on. So this was a weird one. Um, I actually thought that uh, this will shut down anyway, but uh, something that a lot of people have noticed that Nintendo's Wii Shop channel can't be accessed. And I'm getting the story from Nintendo Life and the article reads, if you're tired, if, if, if you've tried the Wii Shop channel over the past few days, you might not have had much luck. According to Nintendo Everything, the digital store has been experiencing some issues. It's supposedly impossible to access the storefront at all. And you'll instead be presented by a black screen on startup, which eventually follows with an error code. Nintendo's online maintenance page does not mention any issues either. Game Explain has also taken a look. Nothing how team members located outside of the US in regions such as Europe have encountered the same problem. Although Nintendo stopped game sales on the Wii Shop channel in 2019, the same error means anyone who wants to access existing downloads and purchases is unable to right now. Nintendo previously said it would stop downloads on the Wii at some point, but never specified exactly when users would no longer be able to re-download games. So that's the article there. And what I was thinking of this, I'm like, honestly, guys, like I know that the Wii Shop channel was shut down uh, you know, a couple of years ago, but I didn't know that you could actually still access it to download your games. I thought that it was just, it was over. Like you couldn't go online with your Wii anymore. They shut down like uh, online gameplay for titles a long time ago. And I thought that the whole uh, re-downloading was stopped as well. But obviously I must be wrong on that 
on that point. So to me, this doesn't feel like a loss because <laughs> I thought it was gone a couple of years ago in 2019 anyway. But um, yeah, it is what it is. It's uh, If you've still got games on your Wii that you need re-downloading, uh, get onto it ASAP. <laughs> Uh, we finally got a brand new update for Pokemon Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl. It added a bunch of things that we needed, uh, which was great. So we got some brand new event Pokemon. Arceus and Darkrai are now accessible in the game. If you want to catch Darkrai, you'll have to um, get a wonder... A, was it a wonder gift? Oh, a mystery gift. A mystery gift uh, at the start of May, much like the, the Shaman um, event. That you get a bit of a reminder if you haven't got Shaman, get him ASAP. Otherwise, it'll be gone forever. I know that's an annoying thing Pokemon are doing, but you've got to get him ASAP. So before it goes on to Darkrai, and to get Arceus, you need Pokemon Legends Arceus uh, save data on your Nintendo Switch. We've completed all the missions, um, so basically you need to have caught Arceus in Pokemon Legends Arceus to get <laughs> get Arceus in a Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl. But what is cool about getting RCS in Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl is that you can shiny hunt it. It can be shiny unlike the one in Legends. So if you want a shiny one, this is a great place to try and potentially get it, which is cool. I'm, I reckon I'm going to be trying to get uh, get some RCS, but I think that the method is a little bit annoying, you know, restarting your Switch application, waiting for it to load. It's kind of a timely process, but then maybe I'll do it on Twitch or something like that when I um, get the time or the inkling to do it. To be honest, when I sit down to play games, I actually want to play the game. I don't just want to be shiny hunting. <laughs> I'm not really in the mood for it, but I will eventually. I'll, I'll leave it. I won't catch it until um, Arceus comes out. Um, but um, also, I actually didn't expect this to get added to the game, but the Global Wonder Station or the w, GWS is now in the game as well. And in the original Diamond and Pearl games, there was the, the Global Trading Station, the GTS, which allowed you to search for a Pokemon, put a Pokemon up for trade, and ask for a poke, uh, specific Pokemon as well. But um, it's replaced just with the Global One Station. And you put it, this is a feature that's been in every other Pokemon game where you can just put up a Pokemon and see what comes back. It's like a lucky dip. You can put up your level 100 Arceus and you can get back a bit of. <laughs> or you can do the do the opposite. You can put up, put up bit of and get back Arceus. You never know. There might be some friendly man out there or man or woman <laughs> that's like, yeah, no, nah, bugger. I don't care about it and just send it off, which is, uh, which is nice. I actually didn't expect them to add anything in the game when you go. Uh, basically up to the specific building. Uh, they just say, hey, it's not ready yet. And in the past, the Pokemon franchise has been very good at just being like, hey, we're not going to do this. Let's just say it's not ready. <laughs> uh, this was uh, the Battle Frontier in Omega Ruby Alpha Sapphire where you go to the island and they're basically building it and they just say, uh, the Battle Frontier facility is not ready. And we're like, oh, is this going to be DLC? Is this going to be uh, update? What's uh, oh, I'm looking forward to this. It's one of like the most... Um, kind of the coolest battle facility in the whole series. And uh, for the past 10 years, they've just, well, was it, how old is that game? Eight years old? Yeah, about that. Who cares? Uh, for the last uh, that many years, um, there's just been like, oh, it's coming soon, but it never updates. So I assume this will be the same thing where it's just like, that's a lazy sort of workaround to have that building there and not utilize it. But it's here. Uh, a few a few months too late. This ge this game's so weird. It's like the most unfinished Pokemon game ever, but it's also the most copy and paste Pokemon's ever been. <laughs> so uh, thanks, Ilka. Thanks, thanks for that. 
Uh, if you're in Australia, it's just a bit of a reminder that you can go and get your PAX 2022 tickets. We talked about this last week. PAX 2022 is coming back to Australia, which is very exciting. It's been away for a couple of years and uh, it would be very exciting to go back to it. Like I said, I'm not 100% sure if I'll be going to it, but I don't know. Maybe I'll get a ticket just to make sure. Just to make sure. There was a comedian that um, came came through our town and I never got a ticket because my wife said, hey, look, we're going to have a baby around this time. Oh, you better not. I'm like, all right, okay, I won't bother then. Then um, like the week he was there, she, she was like, oh, you know what? Things are going okay. You can get a ticket. I'm like, oh, well, too late now. So maybe I should get a PAX ticket and they should be they should be good for refunds. They were good last year for refunding you a ticket if you needed to. So um, I might do that this year. Make sure I've got a ticket. And of course, if we do go to PAX, I'll be covering it from a Nintendo perspective here at the House of Mario. So stay tuned, stay tuned to that. It's always a, always a blast. Always a blast. Okay. So this is not uh, a story from gamesindustry.biz and I haven't actually read it myself, but I would like to sort of get into it and, you know, ta- tackle some of these, these stories that are a bit more, I guess, confronting and sort of, I guess, reveal maybe a side of uh, some developers who who aren't going so well just in the way of like their team culture and all that. So this is uh, an article based around Moon Studios and how there's some problems going on there. And I've only heard a little bit about it, but we'll I'll read out the article and we'll discuss. So the article reads, Moon Studios founders Tom Mueller and Gennady Carroll are the main subjects of VentureBeat report in which the former employees discuss an aggressive studio culture full of bullying, crunch and inappropriate jokes. The outlet spoke with a number of current and former employees at the studio behind Ori and the Blind Forest and Ori and the Will of the Wisps. And they collectively described an abusive work environment led by two founders who did not hesitate to bully and demean their employees. Moon developers uh, recounted how uh, Mihula would, I don't know if I'm saying that right, by the way, sorry, uh, (laughs) would criticize them in front of the rest of the team, saying their work looked like shit and made him want to vomit. Or he was the product of fucking hell failed abortions jesus christ uh beyond being abusive with criticism muhula was uh, said to be unable to provide helpful feedback on how something was lacking or how he wanted to see it improved quote uh were the founders being belligerent yes in my opinion one source said it was limited to those two yes i'm uh, unprofessionally in hourly basis yes harassing yes End quote. Additionally, Mueller, uh, Mueller was said to be making a habit of hiring talent, uh, talented people at work to work at the studio, and then uh, introducing them to the team by tearing them down, uh, tearing down their previous work on sh- shit games. Mueller and Carroll were also frequently uh, antagonistic relationship, trading pointed barbs in group chat or having shouting matches in front of the team. Quote, I remember there being one meeting where they argued for a full hour. Uh, one, uh, one developer said, it was a particular call to get to the bottom of some problems. The whole team were there just listening. Then eventually someone was like, we're tired and you're wasting our time. We're leaving. Nothing got accomplished. It all affected everybody's morale, end quote. The lack of uh, concern for public standards and reportedly reflected in their behavior at other times as they regularly told offensive jokes in work setting. 
quote, we'll be hearing about your penis size and, you know, Hitler jokes. One per- one source said, the jokes were jokes, but it was really unbridled aggression. Uh, it set the tone. Racist, sexist, homophobic, um, sexist, and be it uh, uh, ableist comments were, able- were also described. Uh, beyond inappropriate work behavior, Mueller and Coral were also uh, accused of implementing excessive crunch at the remote working studio in part because of poor planning, micromanagement and dictating last minute changes to the game. Mueller and Coral would also seem to be online for all five hours a day. Mueller uh, monitored how often employees logged in and would say that they took a weekend off. He left messages for employees at all hours, regardless of what time of the day or night it was in the time zone they lived. Quote, at multiple, I've been at multiple studios now and Moon is the only one that gave me PTSD about the games industry, one developer said. I think they are explicitly toxic and I definitely got burned out of severity to the point where I think I would be, I would consider a different path because it was so awful End quote another described the impact it left on them saying, I feel like I've become a meaner, worse person having been in that environment. Mueller and Carol released a statement to venture beat about the reporting saying, we don't believe the experiences suggested by your questions are representative of more than 80 moon studio team members who are thriving and doing great work every day. Nor do we believe that they are representative of the experiences of former members of our team. They added at times we are brutally uh, direct in our critiques and challenges, but we are also genuine and vocal in our praise. We are incredibly proud of everything we have built and achieved together. Uh, they also addressed the intolerance and uh, evident uh, intolerance evident in group chats, saying we appreciate the irony that we and an Australian and uh, Israeli Jew uh, started this multicultural enterprise we view each other as brothers and like brothers we sometimes argue and frequently tease each other we have made jokes at our own expense and the differences in our backgrounds uh and they are and that there may have been times that our teasing of each other has come off as insensitive and may have come off and made others uh, feel uncomfortable Mueller and Coral concluded the statement saying, we're not perfect, but we deeply care about our talent and are consistently working hard to improve. If we ever made anyone feel uncomfortable, uh, let anyone down, we regret that and we'll always strive to do better. So that's the end of the article there. And it's a big look into one of the most uh, talented developers I've seen probably in the last 10 years, like or in the blind forest and the will of the whips, uh, wisps are uh, just such beautiful games and you know thanks to game pass i sat down with um i started with uh, the blind forest the first game uh it's it's tremendous it's awesome and i can't wait to get back to it i want to play both games i think they're right up my alley to be honest as far as just looks music uh you know the genre being a metroidvania type experience really looking forward to getting into it but it is sad that this story has come out that you know a lot of um well, maybe not even a lot, but just like at least a select few have really been damaged by their experience working at Moon Studios. And I hope it does get better for them because there's there's nothing worse for just, you know, the product itself, like the product, product itself being the video games that get released by the studio. You know, they're going to suffer majorly because of just, 
you know, a really bad work environment. And of course, just the developers that work there. I think it's important to sort of bring these stories up. So we do ask better for the leadership roles within the games industry. So we can get, uh, you know, better games and happier people and all of that working within uh, the medium that we love. Because like while we don't make games, we absolutely love them and we want to see the work culture come a lot better. And there are multiple ways we can sort of, you know, encourage developers to do better. And while like, you know, Crunch, for example, you know, Crunch, it's like any industry, I feel. There are certain points of a production schedule or the year where work needs to get done, but it needs to be done in a in a way that doesn't sacrifice, you know, the workers' health or the just the, the, the team sort of morale. Like if you're coming up to Christmas, it's like, all right, we've got to work through Christmas. Like that's no fun. People want to be with their families. People want to, uh, you know, experience life. They don't just want to put it all into the game. But also, you know, when it does come down to it, the studio needs to, uh, you know, it needs to make money to be able to pay these people. And that comes down from the leadership roles to produce and manage the portfolio so everyone knows what they're doing and no time is being wasted and uh, a lot of those things. Like, you know, we whenever these conversations come up on the House of Mario, it's usually targeted towards Game Freak. Game Freak, they've got a, a tremendously successful sort of track record for getting a new Pokemon game out each year. Like you can, you can look at Pokemon and be like, Hey, look, the graphics aren't that good. I wish you would spend a bit more time on it. Hey, you could use a bit more time for more content or whatever have you. But just from a production stand- standpoint, uh, it's, it's tremendous just how they get a game out each other each year, how they can look forward for years and be like, all right, a brand new generation is going here. A brand new remake is going to be going here. Uh, we've got like a brand new outsider team, Ilka, who's going to be remaking uh, Brilliant Diamond, Shining Pearl. That will go this year. And just the, the way they look forward and get a brand new game each year, it's, uh, you know, it's unrivaled, really, except for maybe Call of Duty or Assassin's Creed or something like that. And I know the annual sort of uh, release cadence with those series is looked down upon because of similar reasons where you just want a bit of a break. And Pokemon's in a similar boat. But the reason I'm not so hard on, say, Call of Duty's sort of release schedule is because with Pokemon, I don't know, I'm, I'm, I've adjusted to it. I love Pokemon and I kind of appreciate a new game every year. Uh, I don't know. I, I, would, I would be happy if they came out with a statement saying, we're slowing things down. There will not be a new Pokemon game every year. You will get a better experience when you do get the title. I'll be happy with that. But I also do like a, a game each year as well. And like... So there are ways where this can be done without all of this bullshit, without sort of all of the all of the heartache on the staff. And I will say as well, just with the the leadership roles at Moon Studios, maybe they they're looking at it. I know that a lot of people have grown uh, the last few years, where you're just like you know listening to people, hearing people's voices, what offends them, what makes them upset. And there is a line there where you know we don't want to live in a world where we can't say anything. We want to live in a world where we want to be able to express our thoughts and put them across in a, in a kind way, whether you're talking about someone <laughs> or you're talking about a product or whatever, we can put our views across and put them in a nice way. But when it's just been like, hey, look, like I'm being sexist to this female worker of mine, just if they're saying they don't like it, make sure you take that in, that you don't like it. It might be a simple joke to you, but how? just put yourself in their shoes. How are they going to feel <laughs> being told that, you know, that 
for example, that skirt looks nice or something. It's like, oh, that's a bit weird. My boss is noticing me in that way. And how will her husband take that? <laughs> and her kids and uh, all of that. So there's lots of, you just need to, these guys need to st- take a step back. Um, they sort of seem a little bit standoffish being like, hey, look, no, look, we, we've started from the ground up. We're always nice to our staff. But uh, just open your ears. Your staff are saying otherwise. Uh, let's um, let's make your studio as, uh, as great as possible and make some awesome games because you've got an awesome track record at Moon Studios. You've obviously got some very talented staff. Look after them, please. I'd love to see more of their games come to Switch. Uh, obviously, we've got the Ori games being put on Switch and Microsoft has been very good at looking after them and publishing their games on Xbox and PC. So let's uh, let's see more of it. And just with Moon Studios as well, it's one of the most... One of the studios you've you've got to have a good look at as well, being like a fully remote studio. And this was a fully remote studio before COVID. So they'll set up well to continue their, their routine and that going into the pandemic, which is really cool. So they've obviously got some great production um, mindsets to get all that to work and to make some awesome games. The first two Ori games were made remotely. So you've got that going for you. I just feel like, you know, please listen to your staff, listen to the criticism that comes online through these articles being published and uh, continue making awesome games because, man, you, you guys make a phenomenal, phenomenal games and I can't wait to, uh, to actually get back back into it. I, I'm, playing it I'm playing it on um, PC at the moment, but I'm so tempted to uh, pick up that Switch version. I don't know why. It's, um, it's one, of those, uh, one of those things. It's a curse. I just want to buy everything on Switch even if I've got it free somewhere else but that's uh i think uh that covers that that's the news not too much this week just a little bit of uh, discussion there but let's get into the red coin releases for this week there's a couple of titles i want to touch on and there's a bunch of really cool sales as well i think you guys should check out if you haven't been on the eShop for a week so let's uh let's jump into it Wah-ha! all right so the first one is kraken academy and uh, this game looks cool. I've actually... This game is on Xbox Game Pass as well if you have an Xbox or a PC. Uh, I've, I noticed it there. I'm like, oh, cool. That's where I'm getting it. But it did catch my eye initially on the eShop. So the, the little description is, Welcome to Kraken Academy. Kraken, Kraken Academy is no ordinary high school. Ghosts fill, fill the art department. Cultists meet with... Uh, cultists meet below the monkey... Uh, below the monkey bars and new crocodiles are eating children join forces with magical kraken to undiscover the uh, tr- tr- uh traitor uh the malevolent malevolent mastermind who could be anyone at the school um with each time loop you'll get closer to saving kraken academy explore and investigate while saving the world is definitely an important goal there's a whole range of activities to dive into teachers learn and students routines Students learn. Anyway, as you explore every corner of the canvas during this three-day loop, attend a costume party, become a detective, and help the school's janitor bring down a crime syndicate. So, yeah, pretty cool. It's like a, it's a little bit of an uh, adventure, sort of a dating sim, or uh, what you call it, uh, graphic novel. Not a graphic novel. You know what I mean. <laughs> I've completely lost it. <laughs> Next up is, uh, is a game that caught my eye because it's really cheap. It's on sale for 75% off. And it's titled In, uh, In Yukuri. 
and it's like really nice pixel art and just like with how uh, how cheap it was and all that just I was like wow was it so cheap at launch I don't know so important mission at the time when people have stopped respecting wildlife bad things have begun to happen in the world but someone has lit the small candle in your shrine so they're calling you restore the order peace and connect people back with nature you're the last hope uh, below the old ways um, uh, offers a classic retro uh, platforming experience jump and run through levels uh, elusive light the wind collect goodies and fight enemies and bosses action is smoother dynamic faster the better uh, the adventure comes to life in a stylish way thanks to uh, detailed pixel art, visuals, and original 8-bit music, including ass, uh, classic sounds with a little modern touch. Immerse yourself in the world that will delight you with its uh, artistic vision. So, yeah, pretty cool. So, this game, like, in Australia, it's like $2.50. So, it's 2 bucks in the US. Uh, I'm going to be getting this just with my points, seeing what it's all about. looks fun. Uh, like, it does look beautiful as well. So, a big one if you're if you're into some 2D platforming. And last but not least is Persona 4 Arena Ultimax. And uh, this is a fighting game that came out a long time ago on a PlayStation 3, Xbox 360. But now it's uh, back on, a, on Switch. And this, this leaves us with the question, when is Persona 4 <laughs> Golden coming to Switch? It's, it's on Vita and PlayStation V no and, P and PC isn't it yes yes so it'd be nice if it comes to some modern consoles but the stakes in ultimate the tension is maximum the fight is Ultimax experience the latest entry in the beloved Persona 4 series with a thrilling fighting twist join the heroes as they combat an, an army of shadow in the one climax Ooh, a bit of climax here Key features, Ultimax version, includes all previously released Persona 4 Arena Ultimax content, including the original Persona 4 Story Arena mode. A deep roster of playable characters, shadow versions, and dual audio, so you can choose between Japanese and English VO. So, cool, cool. Very nice. So, if any, any of those games uh, pique your interest, go and check them out. Go and check them out on the, uh, the eShop new release tab. And there's also like a real big indie sort of uh, sale on at the moment too, up to 75% off. And uh, if you haven't uh, got a lot of these games, go and check them out. So we've just got some highlights that Nintendo actually put up. So you can get Bastion for $3.50, Hades, which is down to $25. Loop, uh, Loop Hero, which is a digital devolver joint, $16. Stretch of Rage 4, Dead Cells, which is a big one I would recommend, $22. You can get Gris or... Was it... <laughs> It's a, it's, a, it's a French word. I know there was a lots of uh, sort of talk about how it's pronounced, whether the site, the G is silent or not, but I just call it Gris. Uh, the Messenger, you can get it for 12 bucks. Uh, Wonder Boy, Katana Zero, that's an awesome indie game. Uh, also published by Devolver Digital, 1350. Uh, Taiwan, which I'm actually interested in. It didn't come out that long ago, so that's down to $18. The Gardens Between, which is a great Australian-developed indie title uh, by the the Voxel Agents, you can get it for six bucks. Definitely, definitely recommend that. I played it on Game Pass, but it has since left that service. So definitely go and check out that that indie game. It's very much uh, uh, a puzzle game when you're sort of walking in a straight path with uh, two two characters, but you can manipulate the time. So you can go backwards and forwards. You might have to go backwards in time to light a a lantern that you know, that you've got to go forward and 
allows you to progress the path. It's a really cool game. It only takes like a, a couple of hours to beat. Um, so a great title for for that price. But uh, yeah, heaps of stuff, heaps of stuff on sale. So go and check it out. It's awesome. All right, so that brings us to Reggie's Rec Room before we get to the end of the show. And let's talk about Kid Icarus Uprising. Fantastic title and uh, happy 10 years. Hi, Nintendo fans. Reggie here. Thank you for your never-ending support, for giving me a mushroom kingdom full of incredible memories that I will never forget. Ever. So Kid Icarus Uprising, uh, actually on Encore at the House of Mario, I went through my Nintendo 3DS library and uh, this is one of my favourite games and I talked about it a little bit there, but just in the spirit of its 10th birthday, which is which is nuts. I remember where I was when I was playing this game. There was uh, a lot of memories associated with high school and all of that, uh, playing it on my 3DS, bringing it to school and listening to the music. Uh, it's just a phenomenal, phenomenal game. So it came out on the 29th of March here in Australia. So it's not quite its 10th birthday. It's, a, it's about a week off here in Australia. But uh, in the everywhere else, actually, it came out on the, the 23rd and the 20, uh, 22nd in, um, in Japan. And this was a title that was de- developed and directed by Sakurai, which is, oh, who is? Uh, just a, one of my favorite game producers, makes my... Favorite games, Super Smash Brothers. He's uh, directed them all. So a lot of talent behind this, and it's also one of the first titles uh, made by Project Sora, which uh, which has recently became like a bit of a shell company for Sakurai to uh, get his games, um, I guess, like communicate with other developers. And he seems to like hire, I guess, like contractors to come into to it and use it that as a bit of a shell. But at the time of this, this was like a, a game that was actually made by, I guess, his team, which is pretty cool. And... Um, when I was in high school, this came out, uh, yeah, 2012, and 2012 was my senior year at high school, my last year, and there was a lot of times when I brought the game into school, and I'll play through the chapters in that game, and just like really, really enjoy it, and just uh, just with the story as well, the characters really, really caught my attention. I loved like the the back and forth between the bad guys, the good guys, and everyone had their own little relationship and. Really good rapport, and like the voice actors did a tremendous job in getting this, uh, you know, all together. And hearing it come through like your headphones, it's definitely a game you need to play with headphones. It's fantastic. But if you haven't played Kid Icarus Uprising, you know, so getting ten years, there might be a lot of you guys who just got into uh, Nintendo through the Switch. It's uh, basically a third-person on-rails game. It's very akin to maybe Sin and Punishment, if you recall those games from Nintendo 64 and the Wii. Or you could even compare it to Star Fox, where you are going on a designated path and uh, you're using your, your reticle to shoot down enemies and all of that. But like the, the amount of like uh, I guess customization for your weapons was just absolutely unreal. You could use like ranged weapons or melee weapons, being like gloves and bow and arrows and swords and daggers, and there was so much to it. It was fantastic. It was absolutely fantastic. But you're going through the chapters in each game or each uh, or throughout the game. And as you're going through, you're getting more story and it's just um, just really, really fantastic. But I did a bit of a, a reading up on uh, on the title and the title basically came out of Awada, who was the president of Nintendo at the time. And he asked Awada if he could make a Nintendo 3DS game. And it was a bit too soon to be you know putting out a, a Smash Brothers game on 3DS, so they opted for something else. 
And Sakurai, you know, the team put a lot of work into Pit, the main character for Kid Icarus Uprising for Super Smash Brothers Brawl, bringing the character to life, recreating basically his look, his appearance, giving him a voice, a personality, even his bow and arrow, which in the original Kid Icarus on uh, NES, you know, it's just a bow and arrow, but now he can like rip it apart and use it as blades. And it was really, really awesome. I love Pit and uh, Kid Icarus in oh, Super Smash Brothers Brawl and seeing him get a brand new character was just really nice to see. So, so straight away, I knew this game was going to be fantastic uh, going into it. But I remember being at school, I was uh, in PE and the reviews finally come out. I was like, awesome. <laughs> I wanted to see how this game was uh, was going to fare and it reviewed quite well. So like IGN at the time, and I know like a lot of people in this era were big fans of Nintendo voice chat, me included, love Nintendo voice chat. That's how I first started listening to podcasts. I was on iTunes and I just typed in Nintendo and Nintendo voice chat comes up and I would load that load that podcast up, up every Thursday onto my iPod manually. It doesn't just auto download like it does these days. Um, but they gave it a 8.5 which was pretty good. But on the lowest scale, I guess 1UP, which is a website that isn't around now, got a B plus, which is which is still pretty good. And sort of on Metacritic, it got a 83. So that's what it uh, sort of the average came down to with all these reviews. And big criticism of the game at the time was just its controls. And that's where the game lost a lot of points. People in the reviews, the big focus was just the controls. So to control the game, there was no second stick on the 3DS you had to use the touch screen with the stylus to aim the reticule of Pitt's weapon on the top screen. And it can be a bit cumbersome. So you're holding the 3DS with one hand using the circle pad and using your finger on the L button to do, I guess, activate the, the weapon. So whether you're shooting or punching or whatever have you, you're holding it like that. And it's very much like a claw motion, especially on the original 3DS, which was really small. Uh, if you upgraded to like the big boy, maybe if you're playing in the 3DSs in your lap, it was a lot easier to sort of hold. But on the, uh, I guess, the original 3DS, it wasn't too comfy and the screen was small and whatever. So Nintendo actually opted to include with the retail version of Kid Icarus a stand <laughs> for the 3DS. So you sit at a desk, you put the stand, you put you put your 3DS onto the stand and then you can play it that way without actually having to lift the system up. And I think this was a good idea, but it kind of beats the point of why you would want wanted on the 3ds in the first place because uh, especially with you know the wii at the time it was its final year 2012 we're coming up to the wii u uh actually yeah we'll come up to the wii u at the end of 2012 weren't we um i reckon kid icarus uprising would have been a fantastic wii slash wii u game using the pointers and the bit of research i did as well it, they um they started off development on the wii which makes a lot of sense for how the game turned out the uh, development started on Wii because Sakurai and the team didn't have access to, uh, I guess, like the 3DS dev kit at the time, which is which is interesting because you know Sakurai is one of uh, the most like premier producers at Nintendo. So uh, you know, I, I guess it was just early for how early they started development of the game. So they started on Wii. So I I can imagine like the pointer controls for Kid Icarus Uprising would be really good. Uh, but on 3DS, it just makes it a lot more small and the stylus wasn't that satisfying. But 
This was the big highlight of a lot of reviews saying like, you know, the controls suck and people were saying how they put it down. Like, this game sucks. I'm not playing it. And I think on Nintendo Voice Chat, they they were pretty like, pretty down and out about the game. Like, hey, you know, it's not that, not, not awesome. And looking at the review score that IGN gave it, uh, 9.5, no, sorry, 8.5. I'm like, was was it, uh, was it Audrey and, oh, what's his name? I forgot his name who was, who was hosting at the time. But regardless, they they both work at Nintendo now, which is interesting. But yeah, I just um, it's interesting just to look back on it and be like, yeah, just the control sucks. So I, I went into it being like, oh, I was really looking forward to this game. One of my favorite characters now has his own story and all of that because, you know, we got a little bit of story in the original games on NES and Game Boy, but nothing like, you know, it's an NES game and that, you know, the story, none of the Nintendo games in that era had like big story. But now like, the story was really, really fleshed out and picking up the game, I think I was in, I was in, I think I went to Adelaide for like school athletics or something. So a trip to the city, you know, big trip. And I picked it up uh, there. And I remember like getting, <laughs> the reason I was most excited to go to the city was to pick up the game. So I went into a target and picked it up and got it back. And everybody was just like, you know, going to bed. And there's Drewy. In the in the dorm room, 3ds stand out. Oh, you got to try out the stand. You know, Sakurai's. You know, 3D printed this bad boy just just for me. Put the 3ds in the stand. Get the stylus out. You remember like the original 3ds styluses? Uh, it extends. <laughs> Metal stylus. She's out. She's ready to go. And I uh, I really enjoyed it. I was like, all right, the controls aren't that bad. I was satisfied and. Uh, the amount I didn't play it on the bus because you know with the 3D at the time it wasn't it wasn't that good for moving about and that so played some different games on the bus on the way home but I remember getting home and sitting on the couch putting the 3DS that stand on my belly and putting the 3DS there putting a, a nice pair of headphones it's, it's funny because like it's like one of those studio pairs of headphones with like the, the curly wire and just having having like the stand, <laughs> big, big, thick cord coming out of the bottom of your 3DS for this like tiny little screen. <laughs> this is just like, it's like having like a PS5 for a 16 inch screen. <laughs> it's like, all right. But anyway, it's, uh, it worked. It was very comfortable. It, it was not a very portable game on a portable system, but I fell in love with this game and the story, I could not put it down. I'm not going to say that it's like one of the most like, captivating stories we've ever played. I'm not going to be like, hey, look, you played The Last of Us. The next game you got to play is Kid Icarus Uprising. I'm not going to say that, but the whole thing is just a roller coaster. Just like as you're going through it, you're aiming for high scores. Before you go into each chapter, you can set how hard uh, like the level's going to be and that determines the rewards you get. And that is very much where we see this feature come from in Super Smash Bros. for 3DS, for Wii U and Smash Ultimate. When you go through classic mode and you're like, what do you want the intensity to be? That was from Kid Icarus Uprising. That's where that first come in. And that basically, it's a great accessibility mode. Like it gives you rewards for making it as hard as it can possibly be. And it also makes it real easy if you want to have a real easy experience. And I think that needs to be implemented in more games because like, you know, there's great accessibility features, but... You can, you can turn everything on or off and it can be as easy or as hard as you want, but you don't get rewarded more for being hard and you don't get rewarded less for being easier. 
Um, you know, not every game has to be like that, but I, I appreciate it because it, it makes you want to push. It makes you want to push to be better, to get that better score, to get the chapter without getting hit and just getting through it. And you, and you, at the end, you get rewarded with a bunch of like loot and things you can do to upgrade your weapons and all of that. So I think that's just a fantastic idea. And I think it was a great sort of uh, game design idea that came from this game. And we'll probably stick with Sakurai's games as long as he keeps making them, which is a uh, really, really fantastic. But yeah, this uh, is definitely probably a, this will be like a top three 3DS game for me. I think it's, I think it's awesome. And on the house of Mario, I'm always saying this, this title needs to be, needs to be made into, into a switch game. I don't know if that's a port by Grezzo or a, a porting company that Nintendo works with or a sequel. Personally, a sequel would be a lot more exciting. That would be awesome. But I, I want to see more Kid Icarus. We've seen a lot of series come to Switch and do well, whether that is like Nintendo's big hitters with Mario and like, you know, Mario Party just keeps on going up the charts. Legend of Zelda for the first time has really broken into true mainstream with Breath of the Wild. And I expect that to continue with the sequel, hopefully this year. And Pokemon, every title that goes into the top 10. And But the smaller titles like ARMS, that sells a million plus. Splatoon 2. Uh, just like smashes its Wii U target, which you would hope so. And Splatoon 3 is going to do the same. Um, just like a lot of titles, even like stuff like Triangle Strategy. It's a Square Enix game that's been published by Nintendo um, on Switch. And that's just hit a million. <laughs> so could you imagine like all these other franchises that are coming out? Like they've done WarioWare, which I was looking forward to. They've done, uh, well, they're doing Strikers, which comes out in June. And I really hope that Kid Icarus is the next one on my list. That is the game that uh, you get the big reaction out of me from like an E3 announcement or a direct announcement. So if you ever hear Kid Icarus getting announced for Switch, you know where to look. The House of Mario, Drew and Bryce will be very excited. <laughs> excited about the game. But just like some of the characters. So let's go into Pit. And like Pit's sort of relationship with Palutena is really quite awesome. So basically Pit, he's, a, he's an angel that can't fly and he can only have the power of flight with uh, the goddess Palutena, which uh, basically helps him save the day. <laughs> so he's like Palutena's like servant who, uh, you know, has to, has to get the job done. And I don't know, he's just so, so lovable and quirky. I know... A lot of the criticism about this game that I think actually got covered on Nintendo Voice Chat all the way back in 2012 was just like, shut up. <laughs> the character's got to shut up. Like, they're so annoying. And I remember taking that in, but okay, the characters talk a lot. But I love it so much. It's like a it's like a podcast with the characters interacting with one another. It just gives real nuance to each one, which is awesome. Like, uh, the main, one of the, biggest bad guys that I really do appreciate is Hades and Hades like there's a lot of uh, obviously the game taking big inspiration from Greek mythology uh, you know similar to God of War but a very different take on it like you're not playing as the God of War you're playing as just a, a servant of Palutena but like it's it's not serious it's not dark it's not gruesome uh, there's just a lot of a lot of love to be shared around Yeah, I've <laughs> been talking for a long time, but just uh, absolutely fantastic, fantastic title. I'm going to see, where's where's the Hades? Hades. And there's, lo there's lots of uh, 
So like the voice actors are doing a lot for the anniversary as well, which is pretty cool. So Hades is the, I'm just reading this from the Kid Icarus Wikipedia. Hades is the antagonist that debuted in Kid Icarus Uprising. A, uh, an individual who takes pleasure in the suffering of others. He's revealed to be the true primary antagonist of the game and the true lord of the underworld. So like, just like, he's so like snarky and just arrogant and it just comes across so well with the voice acting. And uh, I would say like for 3DS, it's definitely the best voice acted game I've played on the platform. With a lot of Nintendo games, even on console, we don't get them fully voice acted. Pardon me. So it is very, very cool to get it fully, fully voice acted. So yes, awesome stuff. We've got Medusa as well, which was a big role in all the trailers and that coming out. And uh, some of like the best uh, boss battle music where just like all the snakes coming out of her hair and just like a bit of a cartoony take on the actual, the goddess herself. Magnus. Actually, who, like Magnus, I kind of forgot what he does. It's been a long time since I played the game. So he's been shown to be one of the most powerful humans. He's a seasoned warrior who has weathered many battles. He reminds, he's a temporary ally to Pit. Yeah, cool. Yeah, I remember that, how you get the fight along with him. Like basically a man with uh, long dark hair and a big broad sword. Very cool. So yeah, that's all I sort of want to talk about Kid Icarus Uprising. Just uh, really... Really lovely title, which I think needs to come back, whether it's a port, sequel, or whatever have you, whether it's directed or made by Sora Limited or Sakurai. Don't know. I would just love to see the title be rejuvenated. Fantastic, fantastic game. More people need to play it. If you can pick it up for cheap on 3DS, definitely give it a go. Um, but yeah, just uh, keep in mind those controls, but just please get through them. Definitely, definitely worth it. All right, so that brings us to the end of the podcast. I just want to thank you all for listening to episode 218 here at the House of Mario. And if you'd like more content, please check out the House of Mario Encore, or sorry, Encore at the House of Mario. I still get hung up on uh, calling it that, but it has got a name change. But until that episode comes out, the doors are closed. I'll catch you later.